The Truth News Network. Rules for thee, but not for me. How about cash after cash of documents found locked in the garage next to the president's Corvette, the president who excoriated another man for having his documents in a locked room under the watchful eye of the archives and the Secret Service? But here's the question we really should be asking of this eco-zealot thou shalt not drill president. Is that an electric Corvette? Well, now that you've got perspective, this is TN. The Truth News Network. And truth is what we do. And the doer is Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. Day after the State of the Union Address, the second one by this president. And good morning to you. I hope you're having a good morning, and I hope you're ready for the day. We're going to try to get help get you started And if you already started, maybe giving you a different perspective. That thing last night, State of the Union address that our president gave to us, more than an hour long, it was full of a lot of stuff. (laughs) I don't have a better way to describe it. He devoted most of his State of the Union address. He was celebrating what he says is a long list of, of his legislative and economic achievements, like spending on social programs, public works, subsidies for computer chips, even more subsidies for more green energy deals and a strong labor market. But if he's done so much for us, why do most of us, we don't appreciate it? That's the contradiction stalking Joe Biden's presidency. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And one of the people we're going to turn to was or is the current governor of the state of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, youngest governor in the United States. And she was the Republican counter messenger after President Joe Biden. And she knocked it out of the park. So we've got an analysis of what Joe Biden said compared to facts. And then we're going to let you listen to Sarah, Sarah Huckabee uh, Parker and uh, Sarah Parker, (laughs) Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and let you listen to her reply to president Biden. So while we're getting set, getting prepared, go grab another cup of coffee. We'll be back together. Much more, by the way, in the news today. Important stuff. Who draws the crowd and plays so loud, baby, it's the guitar man. Who's gonna steal the show, you know, baby, it's the guitar man. He can make you love, he can make you cry. He will bring you down. Guitar man, who's on the radio, you go listen to the guitar man, then he comes to town, and 
music and you like to sing along. You want to get the meaning out of each and every song. Then you find yourself a message and some words to call your own and take them home. <laughs> To falter and the crowds are getting thin, but he never seems to notice. He's just got to find another place to play. Why didn't Americans really believe what they heard last night? That's the contradiction that is stalking Joe Biden's presidency. He's now headed into year number three, and he is planning on a very likely run for re-election. And I paused when I said that because I just, I just can't see it happening. 80 years old obvious cognitive disabilities, and he's done a very poor job. His job approval rating, it's climbed to 44.2%, which should be better with all of that supposed good news. Gallup has him at 41%. Mr. Biden's real clear politics average job approval on the economy is just 38%. And even though Washington Post ABC poll is worse for him. Some 41% of us say they're worse off financially than when Mr. Biden became president, while only 16%, think about that, only 16% say they're better off. Most people, 62%, say he's accomplished either not very much or little or nothing at all, and that includes 22% of Democrats, by the way. And here's the really bad news for the president. 58% of Democrats say they would prefer a different party nominee for the president in the upcoming 2024 election. And he even loses a head-to-head matchup with Donald Trump, of all people, 48 to 44%. That's Trump with 48 and Biden with 44. Now... Listen, I get it. Polls, they're people's opinions. They're only snapshots in time. 
Very few voters are focused on the 2024 choices right now. What are we doing? We're trying to make it. We're trying to make ends meet. We're trying to stay away from heavy government edicts regarding vaccines. People are scared to death. They need solid substance, and they're not getting that from this president. Now, he could rise a bit in the polls if our economy ducks a recession, which is almost certain. Many economists feel like we're already in one. But it's worth asking why a presidency as successful as Mr. Biden and the media claim his is, why hasn't it persuaded the public? That's a question everyone should ask. Part of the answer is polarization. Partisans automatically opposing a president of the other party. We get that. But that would explain about 40% of his disapproval, not the other 16%. He and his minions should concentrate on that 16%. He has contributed to that polarization with his partisan agenda It's been visible to every American for every day in two years. And that all comes after he campaigned as, I don't want to be president of the Democrats. I don't want to be president of the Republicans. I want to be president of every American. And I am going to unify the nation. And so what did he do? He jammed through Congress trillions of dollars in new spending with very narrow majorities. He uses regulation to impose the progressive priorities like racial division, climate alarmism, often without proper legal authority in doing so. Executive orders, he's got a pen. He got a rebuke from the high court on vaccine mandates and that national eviction moratorium. It will likely do so again on student loan forgiveness. His rhetoric, and that's what it is, it's nothing but rhetoric, has also been as divisive as was Donald Trump's. And even critics of Donald Trump would have to agree. He said a Georgia voting law was Jim Crow 2.0. Republicans are the equivalent of Bull Connor. Republicans believe in semi-fascism. And those who want to use the debt ceiling as leverage to reduce spending represent chaos and catastrophe. What about unity? What about working with the brothers and sisters across the aisle? All those promises he made. Now, all of this that you heard last night, may rally Democrats. But listen to what I'm about to tell you. It turns off a majority of Americans. That may be why White House sources were leaking before yesterday's speech that Mr. Biden would avoid such rhetoric and personally edited the drafts of his speech to that effect. Now watch what he says today and tomorrow. And Friday. Watch what he does today, tomorrow, and Friday. A lot of promises from this president. Very little 
substance. We'll see how long the Unifier 2.0 lasts. His biggest problem? All of his legislative victories haven't delivered the benefits he he promised. $1.9 trillion COVID bill in March of 2021 added so much cash to our economy, it triggered our historic inflation. By the way, he disagrees with that. All the economists, he disagrees with the truth that you and I feel when we go to the gas pump or the grocery store. The result is that most of us haven't had a raise in our income after inflation in two years. This takes a shine off the low unemployment rate every time people hit the grocery store. They can see the nearly $500 billion in spending and tax subsidies in his Inflation Reduction Act that it had nothing at all to do with reducing inflation. We also watch a fraying social consensus that has them worried about the country. Crime may not be as high as it was in the 90s, but it's risen sharply in big cities. The record never-before-seen migrant surge across the southern border would be less worrisome if Biden seemed to care about stopping it, and he doesn't. The fentanyl scourge isn't his fault, but it's growing, it's breath, betrays a troubling decay in values. As for foreign policy, Americans can see that the world is becoming more dangerous and its rogues in government around the world are more brazen. Biden has done a good, if often belated, job of arming Ukraine, but it hadn't done one thing to stop Vladimir Putin. China has become less excited of late, but no less aggressive in what they're doing. Spy balloon provocation. I personally think that was just to see how we would respond, what our president would do, and he did nothing. Iran continues to advance their nuclear program despite U.S. and allied protest. All of this is to say there's plenty of reason for voters to be skeptical of Mr. Biden's claims of presidential success. He's lucky the opposition Republicans haven't yet got their act together or he'd be in far more trouble. Putting it simple, folks, (laughs) it ain't what he says it is. And anybody that says opposite of that, they're living in la-la land. They really are. So what else is going on? Well, let's look at just a couple of things that he claimed. He claimed for decades, American jobs have been exported from the U.S. In a way that's true, American jobs have been eliminated from the U.S. economy. But a lot of that happened with Biden backing it. He said this, for too many decades, we imported products and exported jobs. The claim is true. From 01 to 2018, U.S. free trade with China eliminated 3.7 
million American jobs from the economy, 2.8 million of which were lost in our manufacturing. During that same period, at least 50,000 of us and American manufacturing plants closed down. There was massive gutting of working and middle-class American jobs. And that happened as Biden, who was then in the Senate, he wants us to forget about this, he supported China's entering the World Trade Organization. In September of 2020, he defended his supporting China's entering the WTO and normalizing trade relations with China. Likewise, he supported NAFTA. Remember that debacle? claiming in 1997 that the free trade deal would help us all, all American workers, especially those in the auto industry. Those workers, years later, had their jobs outsourced, not to China this time, but to Mexico. And as a result of NAFTA, nearly a million American jobs have been certified by the federal government as being lost directly due to the free trade deal. That's according to data gathered by Public Citizen. These are only the jobs that the Trade Adjustment Assistance Program recognizes as being lost to free trade, and that doesn't indicate the actual number of jobs lost. Free trade with Mexico alone has cost us at least 700,000 American jobs. States in the Rust Belt, have been hit the hardest. That's just that's just one thing. He claimed that he's created nearly double the number of jobs that the next closest president created in four years on average. That is false. Yeah, there have been a bunch of jobs created, but it's becoming out of a pandemic, a pandemic era lockdown. Those aren't new jobs. Those are people that are going back to work because our economy had to come out of our lockdowns. And Biden, with that, with promising or saying that, he's comparing apples and oranges. He's miscalculated by including future times for which no job data is available yet. Most of the jobs, quote, created during his presidency were nothing more that were reopened as the pandemic's oppressive shackles on our economy were taken off. We only recently saw our economy reach the level of employment that was hit during the Trump administration prior to the pandemic. In addition, Biden's first two years in office, they benefited from Trump-era policies like trying to open up the economy so businesses can hire workers and various impacts from those stimulus packages. Biden's January job numbers were strong, however. It shocked everybody, including him. Our economy added 517,000 jobs. And of course, he beat his chest bragging about, this was mine. I did this. I guess the big one that blew my mind Inflation has fallen every month for the last six months, while take-home pay has gone up. That's what he said last night. Inflation has slowed to recent months, but not enough to stop American workers from falling behind on year-over-year basis, 
real average hourly wages, that is adjusted for inflation, were down in both of his years, 2021 and 2022. Americans don't react to inflation numbers until it affects their wallets. And this inflation is staggering to people's spendable money. Real average wages, down. Real average earnings dropped 1.7% from December of 2021 to December of 2022. That change in real average hourly earnings combined with a a decrease of 1.4% in the average work week. What happened with that? It resulted in a 3.1% decrease in real average weekly earnings over last year. And I guess the biggest thing, he promised, and I really hoped he would do it, to be a uniter, which means in government, there's only one definition of that that any political-minded person can think of, bipartisanship. This guy has done nothing to reach across the aisle to get anything done legislative. I mean, nothing. He's excoriated just like he always has. Republicans laughs at him, calls him liars, says over and over and over again, he's going to do things and the reasons he's going to do them and how he's going to do them. And all Americans have to do is look around the nation and listen to what he said and compare it to the life on the ground. Folks, I hate to have shows like this where it is expedient for us to just sit down and listen and weigh facts. And the facts are stark. They are stark. So I want you to listen to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, governor of Arkansas, her response last night on behalf of the Republican Party. We're going to do that. But something came up late yesterday. Stuart Varney and Will Kane of Fox News. They were on the air and they were talking about Biden's State of the Union, his only other one. That was back in 2022, early in the year. Listen to their analysis. We are stronger today than we were a year ago. And we'll be stronger a year from now than we are today. Well, are we stronger today? Biden has faced a growing migrant surge, record inflation, a scandal involving the mishandling of classified documents. We're scrolling up the crises on the left-hand side of the screen. Will Kane is here. All right, Will. Is the president going to address these issues or is he going to ignore them tonight? I think your prediction is probably spot on, Stuart. You've got to find your enemy. And when it comes to the Democratic Party, when it comes to Joe Biden, the enemy is always... The other side of the aisle inside of the United States of America. It is, as you described, MAGA Republicans. When the truth is, what we are dealing with, and he says we will be stronger tomorrow than we are today, is we're dealing with a a crisis of weakness. And I think that's most acute, most pronounced when we look at, well, you know, our reputation, our influence on the international stage. You know, I, I I don't think that we need to take one moment, one instance, and make it symbolic of everything or blow it out of proportion inflated with hot air. But the, the balloon situation does become 
illustrative. It does show we're just not we're not the power on the global stage that we would like to think of ourselves that we should be. And when we elect presidents, I'm always reminded of this, Stuart, we elect presidents largely for their behavior, their decisions, their judgment, their reputation on the global stage. And right now, as we have both Chairman Xi and, you know, Air Force generals predicting imminent conflict with China, it's a bad time to project weakness and not strength. Got it. Now, the other side of the coin, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she gives the Republican response. What do you expect to hear from her? Well, the Republican Party needs to figure out, and I still think this is an ongoing debate, um, exactly how they propose to handle the problems of the United States of America on the domestic front. I have no doubt, Stuart, that if I just forwarded you what I think is the most important issue, and that is how we will respond to issues on the international stage, that whoever the Republicans choose and within their conference, how they handle international affairs will be more competent and stronger than Joe Biden. But when it comes to domestic affairs, the infighting we saw a few weeks ago when it comes to the House speakership and and who they select for 2024, Republicans need to begin to articulate exactly who they are and how they propose to handle the issues of the American people. I think there's a healthy debate that's been going on for several five, six years now about what it means to handle, to balance principled conservatism against the populism that responds to an economy, a corporatocracy, to a country that has lost touch with many of its middle class and blue collar workers. And I would like to hear from the Republican Party how exactly they, they plan to balance those principles against populism. Will Kane, Stuart Varney, that was before the State of the Union address. They actually said that, I think, mid-afternoon yesterday. They were spot on. What they said is still spot on. There are so many variables in so much. And then when a president gets up before the nation with all of the facts out there that people are living in, and he speaks and tells the exact opposite of the facts that these people are living through, it really demoralizes the people in the nation. Whoever's president, every American wants that person to succeed, even if you differ with their policies. This is still the captain of the ship, and we're going somewhere as a nation. It's unclear yet right now where we're going to land, but we want to get there, get there safely, get there whole and get there in better shape than where we started. That just is what America has always been about. And Americans don't believe this president is the right captain of the ship. Hey, listen, we're not going to spend the whole show talking about the State of the Union. But a big, bright spot last night was Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders with the GOP response. I've got that for you next. If you missed it, and even if you didn't, sit tight. It's worth listening to again or the first time. Playoff time, baby. Games, snacks, drinks. I mean, what else can you ask for, bro, really? Hey, pass me a Pepsi. <sighs> I mean, can you drink any louder? That's how I drink. Loud like that? I drink loud. I like to enjoy it. Toss me some more, 
Did you eat any louder? It's normal to eat loud. Drinking loud makes no sense. Peyton, Eli, road trip to the Super Bowl. Hard pass. Playoffs are on. You're paying for that door, by the way. I got a bus. The bus has got a bus. Let's go. Can we go see the bus? What up, Eli? Major Cruz. I miss you, buddy. I miss you too, man. Super Bowl, baby. Let's go. We're not going. I'm going to get more chips and drinks. Do not leave this room. I got you. I got you. Are you kidding me? Technically, I didn't leave the room. I'll call her mom. After I finish these chips. How much longer? You drive weird. Bus, are we there yet? No. Hey, Bus, we got to pull over for some more chips and drinks. Oh, you got it. Hey, guys, look what I found. Bradshaw? <laughs> hey, guys, got room for one more? Got Doritos? Got Mountain Dew. Do we really want to bring him? It might start to feel crowded. I mean, maybe if we had a little... Oh, please don't. You know, you don't say it. Salsa. <laughs> I love me some salsa. All right, I got an idea. We got one seat left, and it's special just for you. Let's do it. <laughs> this is like a convertible. It's up a whole lot better. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get a... Okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, can uh, I get a... Uh... Uh... Go, Bubba, go! Uh... Pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh... Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... So the left has the squad. There isn't enough beer to hold to watch what happens next. You are the Army of Truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. And speaking of the squad, I just I just thought of this when Pete Moss was uh, saying that that line about the squad. I don't hear anything out of Alexandria Ocasio Cortez or. Talita Shalib. Is their name Talita? Anyway, you know who I'm talking about. They're not really out front saying anything. I wonder if their balloon has been totally deflated and they're out of gas. That Green New Deal has lost some uh, luster for the American people. Just thought about that. I thought, thought I'd throw that in there. Normally, in a uh, big deal like the State of the Union address, at least AOC would be front and center, and she would be rah-rah on President Biden. I didn't see anything around Congress in the session last night, and I haven't heard anything from her. I wonder what she thinks about what President Biden is doing. Just a thought. Somebody else that I want to get their opinion on that, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the youngest governor ever, newly elected in Arkansas, and she has hit the ground running. She gave the Republican response to the State of the Union address by the president last night. Here's Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I'm Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Being a mom to three young children taught me not to believe every story I hear. So forgive me for not believing much of anything I heard tonight from President Biden. From out of control inflation and violent crime 
to the dangerous border crisis and threat from China. Biden and the Democrats have failed you. They know it, and you know it. And it's time for a change. Tonight, let us reaffirm our commitment to a timeless American idea that government exists not to rule the people, but to serve the people. Democrats want to rule us with more government control, but that's not who we are. America is the greatest country the world has ever known because we're the freest country the world has ever known with a people who are strong and resilient. Five months ago, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. It was a hard time for our family, particularly our kids, Scarlett, Huck, and George. But we kept our faith and persevered. Thanks to exceptional doctors here in Arkansas, a successful surgery, and the grace of God, I am cancer-free. Through it all, I couldn't help but think about my mom. She was 20 years old and into her first year of marriage when she was diagnosed with spinal cancer. The doctors told her she might not live, and if she did live, they said she'd never walk again. And if she did walk, she'd definitely never have children. The daughter she was told she'd never have was just sworn in as the new governor of Arkansas and is speaking to you tonight. Adversity and fear of the unknown can paralyze us, but faith propels us to charge boldly ahead. We can't stand still in the face of great challenges. You and I were put on this earth for such a time as this, to charge boldly ahead. I'll be the first to admit, President Biden and I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom, he's for government control. At 40, I'm the youngest governor in the country. And at 80, he's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state and he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another or our great country. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Upon taking office just a few weeks ago, I signed executive orders to ban CRT, racism, and indoctrination in our schools, eliminate the use of derogatory term Latinx in our government, repealed COVID orders, and said never again to authoritarian mandates and shutdowns. Americans want common sense from their leaders, but in Washington, the Biden administration is doubling down on crazy. President Biden inherited the fastest economic recovery on record, the most secure border in history, cheap, abundant, homegrown energy, 
fast rising wages, a rebuilt military, and a world that was stable and at peace. But over the last two years, Democrats destroyed it all. Despite Democrats' trillions in reckless spending and mountains of debt, we now have the worst border crisis in American history. As a mom, my heart breaks for every parent who has lost a son or daughter to addiction. 100,000 Americans a year are now killed from drug overdoses, largely from fentanyl pouring across our southern border. Yet the Biden administration refuses to secure the border and save American lives. And after years of Democrat attacks on law enforcement and calls to defund the police, violent criminals roam free while law-abiding families live in fear. Beyond our border from Afghanistan to Ukraine, from North Korea to Iran, President Biden's weakness puts our nation and the world at risk. And the president's refusal to stand up to China, our most formidable adversary, is dangerous and unacceptable. President Biden is unwilling to defend our border, defend our skies, and defend our people. He is simply unfit to serve as Commander-in-Chief. And while you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols all while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is, your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy, and it's wrong. Make no mistake, Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. Republicans believe in an America where strong families thrive in safe communities, where jobs are abundant and paychecks are rising, where the freedom our veterans shed their blood to defend is the birthright of every man, woman, and child. These are the principles Republican governors are fighting for, and in Washington, under the leadership of Senate Republicans and Speaker Kevin McCarthy, we will hold the Biden administration accountable. Down the street from where I sit is my alma mater, Little Rock Central High. As a student there, I will never forget watching my dad, Governor Mike Huckabee, and President Bill Clinton hold the doors open to the Little Rock Nine, doors that 40 years earlier had been closed to them because they were black. Today, those children once barred from the schoolhouse are now heroes memorialized in bronze at our state house. I'm proud of the progress our country has made. And I believe giving every child access to a quality education, regardless of their race or income, is the civil rights issue of our day. Tomorrow, 
I will unveil an education package that will be the most far-reaching, bold, conservative education reform in the country. My plan empowers parents with real choices, improves literacy and career readiness, and helps put a good teacher in every classroom by increasing their starting salary from one of the lowest to one of the highest in the nation. Here in Arkansas and across America, Republicans are working to end the policy of trapping kids in failing schools and sentencing them to a lifetime of poverty. We will educate, not indoctrinate our kids, and put students on a path to success. It's time for a new generation to lead. This is our moment. This is our opportunity. A new generation born in the waning decades of the last century, shaped by economic booms and stock market busts, forged by the triumph of the Cold War and the tragedy of 9-11. A generation brimming with passion and new ideas to solve age-old problems. A generation moored to our deepest values and oldest traditions, yet unafraid to challenge the present order and find a better way forward. If we seize this moment together, America can once again be the land of the free and the home of the brave. During my two and a half years at the White House, I traveled on every foreign trip with the President. A trip I will never forget was on December 25th of 2018. My husband Brian and I had just cleaned up wrapping paper that was shoved into every corner of our house, thanks to our three kids. When I had to walk out on my own family's Christmas, unable to tell them where I was going that night, because the place I'd be traveling was so dangerous, they didn't want anybody to know that the president was going to be on the ground, even for a few hours. We boarded Air Force One in complete and total darkness. There were no lights on the plane, no lights on the runway. Our phones and computers shut down and turned in. We were going completely off the grid. Nearly 12 hours later, in the pitch black of night, we landed in the war-torn part of Western Iraq. It was again a similar scene. No lights on the plane, no lights on the runway. The only thing you could see was coming from about a mile away in a dining hall where hundreds of troops who were in the fight against ISIS had gathered expecting to celebrate Christmas with senior military leadership from around the region. They had absolutely no idea that the President and First Lady were about to walk into that room. And when they did, it was a sight and a scene and a sound I hope I never forget. The room erupted. Men and women from every race, religion, and region, every political party, every demographic you can imagine started chanting in perfect unison over and over and over again, USA, USA. USA. It was an absolutely perfect picture 
of what makes our country great. One of the young soldiers yelled from the back, Mr. President, I re-enlisted in the military because of you. And the president said, and son, I'm here because of you. Shortly after that young soldier came up to me, he said, Sarah, you have a tough job. I told him what I do is nothing. You take bombs and bullets. That's a tough job. And in a moment that I know I'll cherish for the rest of my life, that soldier reached up and he pulled the Brave Rifles patch he wore on his shoulder and he placed it into my hand, a sign of ultimate respect. And he said, Sarah, we are in this together. Overwhelmed with emotion and speechless, I just hugged him with tears in my eyes and a grateful heart for our heroes who keep us free. That young man and everyone who has served before him, all of those who serve alongside him, and the thousands we know who will be called upon to serve after him, deserve to know they have a country and a community back home doing our part in the fight for freedom. America is great because we are free, but today our freedom is under attack and the America we love is in danger. President Biden and the Democrats have failed you and it's time for a change. A new generation of Republican leaders are stepping up, not to be caretakers of the status quo, but to be change makers for the American people. We know not what the future holds, but we know who holds the future in his hands. And with God as our witness, we will show the world that America is still the place where freedom reigns and liberty will never die. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. There's very little that can be said after that. She nailed everything. And I got to be honest with you, compare that with what we heard from President Biden last night, and there's just no comparison. Both of those people, one the youngest governor in America and one the oldest president in American history. And look, I am not talking down or thinking down about being 80 years old. Listen, it's far better for you to have an 80th birthday than to not have an 80th birthday. (laughs) So I'm not putting that down about Joe Biden. But what I am saying is I'm 69. I'm not in the same step that I was in when I was 40 and 50 and even 60. Biological operations in our bodies are universal. They're the same. We get older. We can't think as fast. We're not as sharp on our feet. We move a little slower. We trip on the stairs going up to get aboard Air Force One. I'm not putting that down. That's part of being alive, and we all deal with it. But contrast what you heard from both President Biden and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And I can tell you this. There's a generation of people behind us that are willing and ready to take up the cause, 
to deal with face-to-face this mess that we have allowed to happen on our watch. It's a shame, but what we've got to do is speak out. We've got to let that generation know, hey, you can't just sit there idly and hope something good comes out of what's going on. You've got to address it. And when do you need to address it? You need to get right in the middle of it right now. We need your energy. We need your intellect. And we need your action. And it can be done. Talking with you, not at you. Intelligent Conversation. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. One more comment about the State of the Union last night. Social Security and Medicare. The crowd went crazy. Republicans went nuts when President Biden said that Republicans want to cut Medicare and Social Security benefits and that Republicans were planning on doing that. And the place went crazy. It actually looked like Uh, a picture from what goes on at the House of Commons in the UK when they're meeting over there. They just get in people's faces, screaming and hollering if they disagree with whoever's speaking. It sounded and looked a little bit like that in the Capitol last night. Republicans went crazy, and they had every right to. They're not, there is no initiative. If you were with us last week when Congressman Mike Johnson was here, He debunked that, and he is the number three Republican in Congress. There are no plans, no discussions, nothing even being taken up to be considered that would cut Social Security. Now, Joe Biden did mention that he will present a plan to shore up Medicare, but he didn't say anything about Social Security other than accusing Republicans of going to cut Social Security benefits. Scare tactics. I mean, remember, 
gosh, way, way long ago, when Obama and Biden were running for re-election, the big talking point from the left was that picture of the eventual vice president pushing an old woman in a wheelchair off a cliff. And the reference was, of course, applying to Social Security and that Democrats are positive Republicans want to cut those benefits, Social Security benefits, all lies. If they try to pick that up and carry it again and hope to win in 2024 with that, they're facing a big, big, big no. It's not going to happen. I guess to sum up my opinion about the State of the Union stuff, it's this, facts matter. Actual facts matter. And Americans are not stupid. We expect facts from our leaders instead of politicized talking points. We're we're sharp enough to recognize when somebody says something that's not factual, especially about something that's in the public purview day after day after day. We know what's going on. Now, we don't know a lot of why things are going on, and I hate that. I know many of you, most of you, probably all of you hate that yourselves. It's really easier, a whole lot easier to make decisions, make choices when we have all the facts. Democrats, on the whole, don't believe that mantra. They believe their strength comes from hiding things, hiding facts from the American people. And that's really getting old. It's tearing me up. I mean, I just go nuts when I hear things like that. I probably would have screamed and hollered if I had been in the Capitol when he started talking about the Social Security stuff and claiming all the things that he says he has done since he's been president. Once again, we see it. We get it. We understand it. Well, the bard of Louisiana, Senator John Kennedy, Uh, He's Mark Twain of this century. I mean, he really is. There's no question about it. And um, he had a little response himself last night. It's only about three minutes long. But listen to the wisdom of one man. He served for a long time in state government, state treasurer here in Louisiana before he ran for the U.S. Senate. But he is, I guess now, the elder spokesman in the Senate, and he showed that he's qualified to have that position last night. What we, um, what we heard tonight from the president were words. That's all they were. Words on a teleprompter um, written by the president's speechwriters. In Washington, I have learned, you, uh, you have to watch what people do, not what they say. In Washington, what you do is what you believe. What you do is what you believe. And everything else is just words, just cottage cheese. Um, President Biden has been president now for two years. We know what he believes because we know what he has done. Higher taxes, bigger government, more spending, more debt, more regulations, Open borders, a weaker military, criminals are the good guys, and every school library should have at least one drag queen 
no matter what the parents think. Those aren't words. Those are President Biden's record. That's what he has done. Uh, one final point. The president tonight talked uh, about how sound, in his opinion, the American economy is under his watch. Uh, it's as if he parachuted in from another planet. President Biden wants you to believe, think about this, President Biden wants you to believe that hamburger costs four bucks a pound, a whole chicken costs eight bucks, and your 401k is crashing because the economy is so good. It's just not true, folks. Um, to paraphrase one commentator, for two years now, President Biden has been pushing on a door that is clearly marked pull. The American people and the people in Louisiana deserve better. Wow. I like that simile that he used there. Joe Biden is like a man that is pushing on a door that says pull. That sums up a lot of the feelings that millions of Americans have. Do you know that only 39% of us say that the State of the Union is strong? And that's down 16 points since 2018. You would think we would be getting stronger if the leadership is right. 39%, only 39% say it's strong. According to Monmouth polling from Monday, less than 4 in 10 Americans say our nation is strong. 58% say it is not strong. Now, it really doesn't do a lot of good in most cases when you talk about polling to get into the nitty-gritty of what constitutes the summary numbers that I just gave you. I thought we would look at these. Among those who say our union strength is bad. 32% said it's not too strong, and 26 said not strong at all. Just 7%, 7% claim it's very strong. 32% allege it's somewhat strong. More than 2 million migrants were apprehended at the southern border. More than 2 million. We don't know how many got through that weren't apprehended. Two million in his watch as president. Fentanyl becomes the greatest killer among 18 to 45-year-olds. Inflation, regardless and in spite of what he said last night, soared to a 40-year high. Gas prices increased to all-time record highs. Our weekly rate wages shrunk. Supply chain woes persisted. And that, he didn't even talk about it last night, that deadly Afghan withdrawal deeply embarrassed us. According to the poll, Americans have soured on the State of the Union since 2018 when Donald Trump was still in office. 55% in 18 said the Union was somewhat strong compared to Biden's 39%. Independent voters, independents, I'm an independent, drive the decreasing poll numbers. The survey found that independents opinions of the strength of the union has dropped more steadily from 52% in 2018, briefly plateauing at 44% in 2019, 46 in 22, 
and then dropping to 33% in this current poll. The Monmouth poll revealed only 24% of us believe the nation is headed in the right direction. That's scary to me. And let me tell you why it's scary. 24%, only 24% say we're going in the right direction. Okay, you do the math. That's 76% that say our nation's in trouble and we're not going in the right direction. So what does that mean? Every morning when you wake up, you're fearful. You have no idea, no confidence in your future. And when I say your future, I'm talking about that day, that week, that month. You have no leadership. You have no guidance. And you have no hope that things are going to get better. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from a relationship with the Creator. That's the first place. But then it comes from trust in our leaders, those that are crafting, making, implementing the ideals that are going to take us out of this quagmire we find ourselves in. This administration is not the administration that's going to do that. It's just not going to happen with the Biden administration. At least two more years. At least two more years with the Biden administration. Look at what has happened to the nation in just two years. Imagine, based upon looking over your shoulder and thinking about what happened and where you are today and how you feel about it, think about how it's going to look in 2024. Thank God we have a majority Republican at House of Representatives. It's not going to be the panacea that we all hope it will be and thought it would be, but it's going to stop some of the crazy ideals of the Biden administration and maybe, just maybe, the House, because it is the oversight entity of the entire government, some of the wrongdoing and the wrongdoers are going to be called to task. And that process is already underway. Mike Johnson, he explained it to us a couple of weeks ago. So Biden again, he mentioned something that he's really into, a billionaire tax But guess what? Billionaires, they're not very worried about it. So if you listen closely to the economic portions of his speech, the White House said the president's going to renew his call for a minimum tax on wealthy Americans. Here's what the White House said. In a typical year, billionaires pay an average tax rate of just 8%. Last night, Joe called on Congress to pass his billionaire minimum tax. Now, what would this do? We're told by the White House it would make sure that the wealthiest Americans no longer pay a tax rate lower than teachers and firefighters. So in the content of his tax tax increase, It includes unrealized capital gains with the income it subjects to a minimum rate of 20%. Now, let me just break that down for you. 
they're going to include a tax if this thing goes into into structure and becomes law. The tax will include unrealized capital gains. Now, what is that? Well, let's just say um, there's a stock out there that you bought and you got a great price on it and it is soaring. Instead of waiting till you sell that stock and there's actual profit there to tax, they want the ability, they being 80,000 new IRS agents, you know where I'm going. They want these people to be able to project what the value of that stock that you bought last year or the year before, 10 years ago, what it is today, and they want to tax you on the profit, which is not profit until you sell something, but they're going to project what it's worth. And they're going to tax you 20% of that, minimum 20%. Now, you tried to get it when Democrats control both the chambers of Congress. They lay, uh, the Democrats just love to talk up plans to tax the rich, but they always fail to deliver. That particular part of it, folks, it just blows my mind. It wanted, it, it'll discourage people from even trying to invest in things. To make money. It won't pass. Why? Because people in Congress understand tax rates aren't paid by wealthy people. Tax rates aren't paid by companies. They're going to get their money. So how would it work? Everything flows down to the recipients of what these Big corporations do, the buyers, the people that are actually buying their goods and services, they raise the prices. So we pay it. Everyday Americans pay it. You know that. There was a surprise guest last night at the State of the Union, brand new freshman Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania. He had a guest with him, a convicted murderer, This convict received a commuted sentence, thanks in large part to Pennsylvania's Board of Pardons, which Fetterman used to oversee. Dennis Horton is the guy's name. He was found guilty of second-degree murder, along with his brother Lee Horton, and it happened back in 1993, a fatal shooting during a robbery in Philadelphia. They both maintained their innocence throughout their prison terms, which lasted almost 30 years before they were granted clemency by Tom Wolfe. He's the former governor of Pennsylvania. Under Wolfe's tenure, recommendations for life sentence, common mutations, and clemency to Wolfe skyrocketed, sending the governor at least 46 recommendations, 46 of them. That's compared with just six in Wolfe's first term, the governor none under former Republican Governor Tom Corbett, and only five during former Democrat Governor Ed Rendell's eight years in office. You know, I understand. There are a bunch of people in the nation that are in jail that shouldn't be in jail. I get that. 
But in the case of somebody taking someone else's life, and if a jury of their peers come to that conclusion, we've got to be able to live with that, to hold people accountable. We can't just feel sorry for everybody that's charged. If the evidence is overwhelming, which I would assume, I don't know anything about this case. But then the other piece of it, why would Fetterman bring this man to the State of the Union address? That I don't understand. I got a letter yesterday. I'm just going to read it to you. The first sentence says, I am a conservative public librarian. I am a conservative or simply politically marooned and critically thinking public librarian in my state, Louisiana. My entire profession seems to have gone to hell in a handbasket and it appears that I am among no other conservative-leaning librarians within my public library system, and I shockingly appear to be the only librarian in my system that believes in health freedom. It is truly a befuddling time to be a conservative public librarian. This is from a librarian in Louisiana, South Louisiana. The letter continued, On the topic of censorship within libraries, I speak from the public library perspective. Ultimately, I am not for censorship of any kind. Although I must admit that much of our latest content disturbs me, I do accept and embrace it into our collections as it may be right for me, but not right for somebody else or others. What most truly disturbs me is that this content increasingly dominates our collections and we've increasingly ramped up censorship of conservative and health freedom content and content that does not support or is critical of current neoliberal agendas. The old days of balanced public library collections, which offer something for everybody, and every opinion appears to have vanished Right-leaning content has become stamped with the label of unfit due to misinformation or has been fact-checked or absurdly donned hate speech. Censorship of conservative and health freedom topics has not arisen in such books being challenged in our collections. Instead, their censorship is absolute and that such books have been denied entry into our collections. Such books are simply not purchased for our our collections and thus never make it to our shelves. The taxpaying public has been fully denied access to these materials. This, to me, is unacceptable and is potentially illegal. Personally, what I want within our library systems is a return to balanced collections. If we are now getting a vast quantity of books on pronouns and gay and transgender everything, we need to balance that with books that may not support and may question those things. Ditto on content criticizing the right should be tempered with equal criticism of the left. If we must hold a drag queen story hour, 
We need also to be allowed to hold a Christian or other religious story hours. Also, within our popular and nonfiction content, we increasingly have only Orange Man bad books. There's nothing on Melania Trump, plenty on Kamala Harris, only slander of the political right, etc. I've even found new books in our collection on how free speech should not really be fully free speech because not having government and corporate control censorship is dangerous. She said, I've tried relentlessly through my own branch discretionary ordering and anonymously through our system's public request a title option to add new conservative-centered and health freedom-centered books to our collection. My continuous attempts have been entirely fruitless. None of the books I've requested anonymously or as a highly qualified manager of a library have been honored. I've gone to even further links, giving lists of these books to local friends and property taxpayers who fund the public library system. These friends have submitted these lists of books to request a title to no avail. The books still remain absent from our shelves. In order to read these books myself, I have to either purchase them for my own home library or attempt to acquire them through interlibrary loan. Shockingly, some of these titles are not even available through national interlibrary loan portals, indicating that these titles are available in zero public libraries across the whole United States. Recently, I heard a podcast with prominent pandemic skeptic, Dr. Judy Mikovits, Ph.D. in biochemistry and molecular biology. She heard that interview on this show. Dr. Judy Mikovits came here the first week that her quashed order from Dr. Anthony Fauci allowed her to speak. The librarian said, in it she detailed visiting several public libraries within the Fort Detrick area. None of them had any of her published top-selling books. Public libraries are no longer bastions of the free exchange of ideas. If you just joined us, this is from a Louisiana librarian. She said, it's a disgusting thing that we librarians are now only allowed to share one side of political and health-related books. As an example, within the health freedom genre, my library system is only vaccine-positive books. Any book that is well-researched and educatedly critical of vaccines, the CDC or the FDA and COVID narrative, those are 100% censored. My system refuses to order Naomi Wolf's new book, C.J. Hopkins' new collected pandemic essays, Edward Dowd's new book, Peter Bregan's new book, and it goes on and on. Not even J.B. Hanley's book about how he used a letter board to teach his son how to communicate despite severe autism. God forbid we order virus mania or dissolving illusions. Lastly, as a denouncement in the above rant, I'd like to address that the ALA's much-touted Banned Books Week, in summary, the ALA's flaunting their supposed staunch stance against censorship 
and their unwavering support of free speech and tolerance and embracing of all opinions and cultures. I feel it pertinent to point out the obvious and insulting hypocrisy of this entire conceptual celebration. Case in point, during banned books weeks, had I chosen to display truly banned conservative and health freedom related books at my library, for one, I would have to buy these books with my own money and display them at the library from my personal home collection, and two, I would likely lose my job for displaying fact-check misinformation or hate speech. The irony of this flabbergasting situation truly confounds me. That comes from a public librarian. You know, whoever pulled the cover back on what's going on in our education, how it's being dumbed down and turned into a political arm of the Democrat Party. Whoever started that whole process needs to be exposed. And I'm thankful whoever it was that raised the cover so that we could see what's going on. And I think it all began, you remember that school board meeting over on the East Coast when that man tried to stand up and address the school board about his daughter being raped, sexually assaulted in a bathroom by a guy that wants to identify and be considered to be a biological female. You remember that? I think that incident is the one that pulled the cover back. Where are we going in our education system? I got to be honest with you, I have six grandchildren, all six of them either came through or still in private school, Christian school, one school, Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, Louisiana. The sad thing about that, and it shouldn't be sad at all, because they're getting a unbelievably good, powerful, and very effective education. But there is one sad thing about it. We have three children. These are the parents of those six grandchildren. All three of our kids went through public education from the beginning to the end and got great educations and were not indoctrinated about all of the woke things that the current generation is having to endure. Moms and dads, you got to step up. You've got to make your voices known. You've got to let people in authority understand they don't have the right to pour their junk down the minds of our children. We've got to take our education system back. Nobody can do it but us. We've got to do it, and we've got to nip it in the bud. That's Barney's statement on the Andy Griffith show. Nip it in the bud. We've got to stop all of this insanity from happening. If we don't, America's going to go to hell in a handbasket, as that librarian said. People like that librarian need to continue to stand up. People like that father over in North Carolina need to continue to stand up. 
and push back against the woke environment in leadership in our education system, but it's not just there. The woke crowd in government are trying to shove it down our throats in every part of our lives. We've got to stand up and stop it. Mr. Rippermorph? Yes, Dorothy? A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Rippemoff? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Waste Busters in action. You can't escape them, sir. They're the Waste Busters. News Center 7 Waste Busters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Oh, sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years... <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good. <clears throat> For over 70... <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Geico. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. You know, something that has popped up after this uh, Chinese balloon was shot down, several people in government stepped forward and said, well, there were three of such balloons that came over the United States during the Trump administration. Unfortunately, nobody in the Trump administration, none of the leaders, even at the Pentagon, Department of Defense, nobody was briefed that there were ever any such balloons. Now, Monday of this week, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Republican, she called for an investigation into why former President Trump wasn't apparently told about any Chinese spy balloons that allegedly crossed over the U.S. when he was in office. She said if it's true, the Pentagon purposely did not tell the president of Chinese spy balloons during his administration, we have a serious breach in command during the Trump administration. The president, any president, is the commander-in-chief. We must investigate and hold accountable any of those who broke ranks, she said. Defense officials now claim Chinese spy balloons briefly flew over the U.S. during Trump's term in office. But if true, why is this just 
now being reported. Several military leaders are saying Chinese spy balloons were spotted three times under the Trump administration, although Trump himself, former top officials, denied that such aircraft entered U.S. airspace during his administration. North American Aerospace Defense Command Commander General Glenn Van Herc told reporters that spy balloons did enter our airspace, but that we did not detect those threats And that's a domain awareness gap, which I have no idea what a domain awareness gap could be, but it sounds like it wouldn't be a good thing. So over on CNN, in an interview on Monday, former Trump National Security Advisor John Bolton, who, by the way, hates Donald Trump, he even said he wasn't aware of any spy balloon incidents when he was in office. Several former Trump-era intelligence officials made similar statements. I will say this. If there was any actual knowledge that these balloons were over the U.S. and higher authority wasn't told, that's a serious problem, Bolton told CNN. As far as I know, every Trump administration official who has been asked has said they didn't know anything about it. On Sunday... Trump, in an interview, said that balloon incidents never happened. It would have never happened. It never happened with us, he said. And if it did, we would have shot it down immediately. And so Trump called this stuff coming out. He called it disinformation. Now, let me tell you what I think is going on here. My opinion. It is my opinion. I think Biden woke up maybe Friday, maybe Saturday, and said, oh my gosh, we messed up. We should have taken that balloon out before it even got to Alaska coming across out of the Pacific. We should have shot it down. And so they started playing cover-up. You know, it's kind of like when you were a kid, your neighbor friends were doing something and you wanted to do it, but you had to get permission from your mom and you you asked mom, can I go with them? And she said, no, you can't go with them. But you said, why? They're going. They're doing it. My mother used to do that and she would say, after I said, they're going to do it. Everybody else is doing it. She said, if everybody else jumps off a bridge, Are you going to jump off a bridge just because everybody else is saying it? I think a little bit of that is happening here. They're doing CYA, cover your backside. Well, it happened in the Trump administration. It was no big deal then. Well, they were serving in office. These were the people that know that kind of stuff. So it's got to be CYA. That's just my opinion. But I can't come up with another answer for it. It's an, it's an important thing to cover and find out if it's factual. Something like that happens. Just imagine if a big balloon like that came over the nation and very quietly just dropped a bunch of biological poison into our atmosphere. Being a spy entity is one thing, but that's not all that balloon can do. When they tell us it's a balloon, we all think about those that we blow up and tie and 
bring them around to a kid's birthday party. Not the same thing. Not the same thing at all. Did you hear what's going on in Oklahoma City? Probably haven't because it happened in Oklahoma City. Trans Lives Matter demonstrators. They took over the Oklahoma Capitol building yesterday and they were protesting Republican-backed bills that were going to ban sex change operations for kids and people under the age of 26. This wasn't just a few people, folks. 150 protesters from two or three different organizations occupied the interior rotunda of the Oklahoma Capitol. Protesters from Oklahomans for Equality and Freedom, Oklahoma, started their protest outside before they moved inside. The demonstrators were protesting multiple pieces of pending legislation, including Senate Bill 129, which would prohibit doctors from providing gender transition operations or even referral services relating relating to such procedures to anyone that's not yet 26 years old. One of the bills would further authorize the state's attorney general to enforce the act and those found guilty of violating it would be guilty of a felony and subject to license revocation. Meanwhile, organizers of the event called the legislation genocide, claiming that measures to stop kids from receiving sex reassignment services is going to drive them to suicide. So the governor, Kevin Stitt, he's a Republican, He doubled down on his plans in his State of the State address where he said, quote, we must protect our most vulnerable, our children. After all, minors can't vote, can't purchase alcohol, can't purchase cigarettes. We shouldn't allow a minor to get a permanent gender-altering surgery here in Oklahoma. And the governor went on to say, that's why I'm calling on the legislature Send me a bill that bans all gender transition surgeries and even hormone therapies on minors in the state. I will not be intimidated by partisan interest groups or make decisions based on groupthink, he said. What are my comments about that? Mine are very, very succinct, very brief very specific. Mine I adopted from a female doctor who came on this show in the early days of it even being on the air, TNN Live. And she's an expert, an expert, a biological surgical expert dealing principally with operations on young people. And here's what she said on the show, and she got blasted. I mean, things changed her life because she said these things I'm about to tell you she said on this show. There's no such thing as transgender, she said. And when she said that, because of everything going on, I, I asked her, I said, what do you mean, doctor? There are people all around the world, doctors, that are specializing in sex change operations. And she said... 
No hormone treatment can change a person's sex. No surgery can change a person's sex. Gender is confirmed by one thing and one thing only, a person's chromosomes, and those cannot be changed. And she said one more thing. She said the people that are out there touting sex change operations are being fairly successful and their actions are destroying an entire generation of American children who think falsely they can be some gender that they're not born to be. Now that is a well-known doctor, and I would give you her name, but I'm not going to do that. If you were with us in the early days, you know who it was, or you could go back and find that show. It really doesn't matter. What matters is what she spoke came from an expert, not opinion, an expert, and somebody that had been in the business doing only this for her entire career. So who do you want to believe? A real doctor that has all that medical experience? And the simple thing that we learned in science when we were in high school about gender and what determines it, I heard it, in, I think, ninth or 10th grade, chromosomes. That's what determines our sex. But facts don't matter to people. They get ideas and they want to push their ideas and make them call them facts when they're not true. Let's switch gears. Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin, hadn't heard a lot about Joe. Well, he and more than 100 conservative groups are pushing a plan to block President Biden from his woke plan to let retirement planners factor ESG in Americans' 401k investment portfolios. Now, what's this all about? A big number of conservative groups are joining to push a move by Manchin and some Senate Republicans to use a very special procedure to sweep away a new Biden administration rule on woke retirement investing. Now, what does this mean? If this rule stays in place, and it's not an executive order, it's a government federal rule. If it stays in place, which, by the way, the Labor Department finalized last November, states that fiduciaries may consider climate change and other environmental, social, and governance factors. That's what ESG stands for, environmental, social, and governance. ESG, ESG factors when they make investment decisions. Now, this rule would unwind Trump administration action, stating that retirement plan fiduciaries are those people that actually operate and make sure that what you put in your retirement plan that they're lording over is going to be very carefully split up into different places to make money. And this government thing that Joe Biden's pushing, this ESG rule, would mean they would be required 
to automatically take a certain percentage of the money that's in that retirement plan and then invest it in a company that is bought in to the ESG woke agenda. In other words, you don't have any say-so. The person that you talk to when you make a call about your 401k retirement center, they have to do this. And it's no consideration of the value of what you have in your plan. Joe Biden wants to make a certain percentage of it go into these ESG woke plans. Now, Manchin and Republicans, they've got a mechanism that could allow them to roll it back, this rule, using the Newt Gingrich-era Congressional Review Act. It sets up a timetable and a privileged procedure to vote on these new regulations. And this all came down after Manchin, who was key to several Biden legislative victories in the last Congress, joined Republicans on a bill to stop a ban on gas stoves. That's when this all started. The group Advancing American Freedom, it was started by former VP Mike uh, Pence, spearheaded a letter which is signed by 100 groups, including the very influential Club for Growth, America First Policy Institute, Americans for Prosperity, Concerned Women for America, and Heritage Action. Now, if this rule that is published now, if it's not objected to by a number of people, a number of entities, it's going to automatically go not into law, but become a federal rule. So also signing on to this to stop it are groups that represent carbon-producing industries that might fade away when these fiduciaries factor climate change into their decisions. These include the Pennsylvania Coal Alliance and the West Virginia Coal Association. These ESG uh, comrades, Russian authorities, basically. It's not really Russian, but it's the same kind of thing. They'll look at something you want that 401k money invested in in your retirement account, and they'll tell you, no, we can't do that. We've got to take a percentage and put it in this company that just started up that's making solar screens. May not be exactly that, but that's an example of what Joe Biden wants to happen. Isn't it interesting? Government, big government, they continue to want to grow. They continue to want to take more and more authority over everything to do with your lives. Everything top to bottom. They want to control it all. And I'll never forget during the four years that Donald Trump was in office as president, every day we heard blasts from the left-stream media, not mainstream, left-stream media. Every day, they, all these people that work for these networks, they themselves were on the air and they constantly called Donald Trump an authoritarian, a wannabe dictator, when the things that he was doing during those four years, including legislation, 
but also including a massive number of policies. Everything he did was 180 degrees opposite of authoritarianism. It was all about freedom, free liberty, giving more power that the government held back to the people. And these leftists couldn't stand it. They couldn't stand it. Their definition of capitalism should be everybody has to bow to a small group of hand-picked people that are in our government, a combination of elected and bureaucrats, empower those people to make all of our decisions for us, basically saying, we love you, but you're stupid. And what we're going to do is all of your tax dollars that you're giving to the federal government, that number happens, by the way, to be going up every year. They're going to take total control of it and be able to tell you exactly what you can and can't do. That's a big thing on our plate. Meanwhile, down at the southern border, Border Patrol chiefs are saying that enough fentanyl was seized at the border so far this year. This year. Now, what does that mean? We're in February, not even mid-February. Enough fentanyl was seized at the border so far this year to kill the United States populations five times over. And more migrants are coming across because they think policies are more open under Biden. Duh. (laughs) DHS tells us 9,400 pounds of fentanyl were seized so far this year alone. And it only takes two milligrams of fentanyl to kill a person. 9,400 pounds of it. Approximately 76% of that, that's 7,200 pounds, was seized coming through our southwest border. Now, this comes from testimony by U.S. Border Patrol agents before our Republican Oversight Committee in the House. And this all took place yesterday. One agent acknowledged that the amount of fentanyl seized at our border so far this year is enough to kill nearly five times the population of our country. Tucson Sector Chief Patrol Agent, a guy named John Modlin, he noted that 700 pounds of fentanyl was seized in this area alone last year, which he noted was enough to kill half the population of the U.S. Committee member GOP Rep. Tim Burchett of Tennessee, he explained that the heart-stopping amounts of the synthetic opioid caused the overdose deaths of the hundreds of citizens in his Tennessee district alone last year. He recited Department of Homeland Security figures that show 9,400 pounds of fentanyl were seized in the country so far this year, and approximately 76% of it, 7,200 pounds, came through our southwest border. And Mr. Biden, he has the audacity to get up in front of the nation and declare He's got our border, our southern border. He's got it taken care of. Everything's cool down there. In fact, they're even talking publicly about 
the numbers of people that have come across is going down every month, which is pure horse hockey. It ain't happening. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out how and what could stop it from happening. I used this simile. I think I even used it yesterday. Joe Biden's upstairs bathtub is overflowing. And it starts tearing up the floor upstairs and the ceiling downstairs. Jill tells him what's going on. He runs upstairs. He sees the bathtub and water's just running over the edges of this bathtub. And he runs downstairs to the utility room. He grabs a bucket, runs upstairs and starts dipping water out of the tub and dumping it in a shower. And he keeps doing it over and over and over again. Runs downstairs quickly to see if it stopped. Nope, it's still doing it. He runs back upstairs, grabs the bucket, and starts dipping out more, pouring it in the shower. That's Joe Biden's operation outline for shutting our southern border. What is it? Oh, you do a little bit to take care of these uh, migrants that are coming across Title 42. You use that for some of them to be sent back to their nation of origin. It would have been simple just to turn the water off. But Biden didn't do that at his house. He hasn't done it with illegal immigration. The worst part of this all is the fact that he swore an oath to the Constitution and the rule of law. Our law is very, very specific. Illegal immigration is not immigration. It's criminal activity. Anybody that steps over that border without authorization from the federal government, legal authorization, is breaking the law. The bottom line in this country was on its way to a secure border under President Trump. This was said by Floria Chavez. But President Biden put an end to that on his first day in office. I believe Americans are dying as a result. The witnesses to this committee hearing admitted migrants are under the impression that when Joe Biden took office, the policies at the border changed. I think they would figure it out that it hadn't changed because they go to the border and all they got to do is just walk across. Border agent Modlin said that in a post-arrest interview, captured migrants say they heard that the border is open. Now, Democrats on this committee, the Oversight and Accountability Committee, they tried to make a distinction during Tuesday's hearing between the fentanyl coming through legal ports of entries by Americans and that being smuggled between legal entry points. Modlin, the agent, repeatedly said that the way fentanyl makes its way into the country doesn't matter to the parents whose kids are dying at record rates of overdoses, many times unintentional because they were unaware they were ingesting fentanyl. It only takes two milligrams of fentanyl to kill a person. Then you know what Democrats are doing? 
They're waving a victory flag. They've tried to paint the seizure of this fentanyl that we have gathered down there as a win, noting that the fact the drugs are being taken by border enforcement agents, that's proof that they are doing their jobs to get drugs off the streets. And all they're doing is taking a bucket and dipping water out of the flooding bathtub. They refuse to turn the water off. Last year was the highest rate to date of fentanyl-related overdoses and deaths. Gary Palmer, congressman from Alabama, noted that fentanyl is just like a weapon coming across the border to kill Americans. Fentanyl is a weapon, he said. It's killing young people at a record level. The drug overdose death rate for people under 24 is at an all-time high, especially among, listen to this, the African-American community. He said, I have a real hard time understanding why we continue to operate that we are still operating. Lawmakers, of course, they clashed. Democrats again accused Republicans of being racist for focusing committee hearings on the southern border crisis. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard. The second hearing for the Oversight Committee in the, this Congress yesterday zeroed in on handling of migration at the southern border. It was the second hearing focusing on the migration crisis coming just a week after the judiciary hearing on the same topic. James Comer is the chairman of that committee. He's a Republican representative from Kentucky. He defended the hearing noting that the powerful oversight committee's job is to make sure Congress is addressing issues properly. Things like, you know, making sure the laws that previous Congress has passed and have been implemented, making sure those laws are being abided by. Republicans said that while the president won't talk about the crisis at our southern border during Tuesday evening's State of the Union address, the Oversight Committee would address it in their hearing yesterday. And, of course, Democrats accused the Republican-led hearing of amplifying white nationalism. But did you hear who the latest and biggest segment of fentanyl overdose and deaths apply to? The majority are African-American people. Why don't these Democrats, instead of coming up and just pointing fingers and screaming and hollering, why don't they just do something that every one of them promised they would do? When they took office, they swore that they would protect the rule of law. That's job number one for anybody in government, protect the nation. And yet all they want to do is go blah, blah, blah keep doing the same thing or keep doing not doing the same thing the definition of insanity northern tool and equipment my girlfriend has given me a pet name i'm afraid to ask snuggle muffin no it isn't and she uses it in public okay so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate like uh, thunder chunky i couldn't do that 
I see. Too harsh for snuggle muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, snuggle muffin. What are you doing, snuggle? out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing the prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic GSSB shocks, so it's just going to be that much more of a fun truck. You want to go with that or go for it? Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. Nervous? Oh, Blaze. Brings back so many good memories. Remember our road trip in 97? Our first real heart-to-heart. -heart. I've never seen any of your movies! Not even the other room together! Hey, do you remember when that stalker kidnapped us? Yes! Blaze was there. Blaze. Do you have barbecue? Or cheddar jalapeno? Ooh. Oh, remember when we stumbled into that turf war? Ah! Remember when you bought your first house? Those were good times. They were golden. You ready? Seth, do you? I do. And Janet, do you? That's a yes. You know, the pink finger pointing last night by the president at Republicans saying that they want to, um, what did he call it, sunset Medicare and Social Security, sunset it. What would that mean? Do away with it slowly. I don't know where that came from, but I've never seen a piece of legislation, heard of one even being presented, that says by anybody the president wants to, any president, especially Republican presidents, want to sunset Social Security and Medicare. And the, the House erupted when the president made that claim. In fact, here's something that very few people know because it's not being talked about. The Congressional Budget Office has offered Congress, already done, options for saving Social Security, Medicare, and the Highway Trust Fund from becoming insolvent. They released a pair of reports that offer options for reducing our federal budget deficit, and doing that could be a roadmap for lawmakers to save Social Security, Medicare, and the Highway Trust Fund from becoming insolvent over the next 10 years. Now, what their projections say 
the three major trust funds will be tapped out over the next 10 years. The highway trust fund will be exhausted in 2027. Medicare's trust fund, 2030. Social Security Old Age and Survivors Trust Fund in 2033. Updated estimates are likely going to be provided in the weeks ahead as the CBO releases new budget forecast. Why don't member of Congress, why don't they listen to the people that number among their ranks that are preparing these things and presenting them to them instead of going out and making decisions based on political partisanship and ideologies that they feel will be good for their party, but it doesn't matter if they're good for the American people. We got plenty of that going on. We need to get back to just plain old business in Congress. Well, well, well. A day that wasn't really so happy. But we're going to do a little singing along with Daniel Ho. Looking for the rainbow. Somewhere. Somewhere over the rainbow. You guys have a great day. Back in the saddle here with you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. short. We'll see you then.
Why, oh why, can I? 